0: Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome back to The Legend of Portalcast, a podcast dedicated to Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and all things Avatar. I am Colin, your main host. Guys, we're back for more beginnings, and today it's going to be part two, but it's probably going to be part one of part two. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I am joined uh, by Kevin this week. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Colin. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right. So, guys, uh, if you have not listened to our previous uh, episodes, we uh, the last uh, two weeks we've uh, we've taken a deep dive into the beginnings episodes of Legend of Korra. Uh, these incredibly mythic episodes, uh, telling the backstory of the first Avatar, Avatar One uh highly recommend you listen to those uh so that we can follow along with the conversation keep the narrative thread and everything um yeah so i mean kevin i mean we were talking about like this like just beforehand it's i mean i you and me both just like watched this like these episodes and then just kept watching like we just couldn't stop going into the rest of the season
0: uh, so yeah once once this uh season hits the accelerator it goes and you just want to stay on the ride yeah it
1: definitely it definitely hits the accelerator for sure um so yeah so guys um this this has been super interesting and you know we're going to start off uh this week's episode before we dive into the episode itself uh just with some few thoughts uh from the folks on our discord i i gotta tell you especially diving into these episodes the conversations that have followed up after the fact uh from just these initial points that we've made have been so satisfying to get to expand on with uh, the folks in our Discord. Um, and if you're interested in joining in that conversation, uh, we have a link in our show notes where you can join in with us as well. Uh, we share all kinds of videos and memes, photos, f- theory videos, all kinds of good stuff. Um, and uh, so we wanted to be able to share some of the thoughts from uh, the folks who uh, we, we kind of were discussing more of these episodes. And we wanted to kind of get uh, initial impressions uh, of Juan, the Lion Turtle City, and Rava in Vatu. first response that we're going to share uh, came from Jordan Sharp 516. Uh, so uh, upon kind of responding to this prompt, uh, Jordan said... My first impression of Wan was that he was not really, quote-unquote, avatar material, uh, just based on what we've seen in Kyoshi, Yang Chen, Roku, Korra, and Aang. It was really interesting seeing him have a complete change in the way he acted once he started living in the spirit wilds, which I think was a really big contributing factor to him learning to understand that there will always be darkness in the world. Um also said that the thoughts on the lion turtles, like Juan mentioned in the episode, it might be in part two, I don't remember, <laughs> that people on the lion turtles think that they are the only people in the world. It was interesting to know that the people in the cities shouldn't have any idea that there were other people considering how much land they uh, must have seen from up high. Uh, and then finally, thoughts on and Vatu. I think it was interesting to hear that they were around 10,000 lifetimes before the first humans. And it was also interesting to hear Rava refer to the Lion Turtle as Ancient One, which makes me wonder how long they have been around. Uh, so lots of stuff that we're going to be getting into today, as well as uh, some reflections on uh, last episode. And, and I, I definitely think that like, the point of the, lions, uh, the Lion City or Lion Turtle cities, uh, kind of seeing that, I, I'm excited to dive into a little bit more as well. Um, and I, I mean, we even talked about in our previous episode that like, that we got the sense that one didn't like feel like this kind of your typical avatar in a sense, um, in terms of just like stealing from a lion turtle, (laughs) you know, but there's like elements, uh, you can see it there, but it's like very unconventional from what we have always kind of expected, uh, from the avatar as well. Yeah. Yeah, so,
0: uh, and then we had another th- uh, uh, response uh, that uh, Kevin is going to share as well. Yeah, I liked it. It was, uh, damn it, Jim. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's, that should always be the enunciation. I had a really interesting uh, reply, which was um, that he agreed with Susan that there's a lot of similarities between Korra and Juan's stories, but he feels uh, that they're thematically different. Both Wan and Aang's legacy is that of achieving peace via separation, one that returns to a previous status quo. Korra appends that legacy by shattering a previous existing piece by allowing a great change, knowing it might lead to further chaos. Yes, she returns the word to another era of Rava, but leaving the portals open feels like a significant nod to Vatu's influence. Remember, he created the portals in the first place. Mm, mm. And I really liked his mentioning it's like that Korra, like, you know, a- as the Korra smash usually happens, mm-hmm. she just goes, you know what, forget this. <laughs> <laughs> Spiritually, this time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then that, too, yeah, he brings up on lion turtles. I really like them as a set piece and characters. They feel even more mythic than the Avatar. Always wonder whether there's exactly four or they're multiple per element or they're lion turtles of elements never discovered.
1: Ooh, ah. Oh, man. That's super interesting. I, I I, mean, that that is in and of itself... Uh, you know because because there always is there always is this kind of like idea um because typically when you talk about uh you know different elements uh whenever we're talking especially in like east asian um uh either mythology or theology or philosophy um one that's always uh included uh it's also wood um you yeah. know and and that's like you know you kind of have to because th- we eventually see with like the swamp benders they bend the vines and everything but i think it's just like being able to bend uh you know uh wood in the trees and everything because that but that that's like it's more like living beings like how much is that like really going to be part of it i i I don't know i i i think about uh what it would be like to see that but i i love that they brought that up
0: yeah Mm. and i think they had one last Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Oh this random is so good. Random thought, did anyone else and I think this links perfectly to the what we're going to go into. Also random thought did anyone else think the Spirit Oasis of Wands story is the same pool Korra's in during beginnings? It's in the correct approximate area of the Fire Nation. It makes sense that it would allow Korra to make a connection so far back in the Avatar line.
1: Ah, I love this theory so much. This is so I, cool.
0: <laughs> I think it's a great idea too because it's a very good point which is that Korra always kind of had that problem in connecting with her past lives. Mm, mm -hmm. Like she always kind of had this like difficult, and usually with the avatar we've seen it and and there's precedence for it in the show where certain spiritual areas usually can help lend to a better connection with the past. Mm -hmm. So I, I am 100% on board. If it isn't the same pool, it's the same, like um, not portals, not the right word, but the same concept. Well, I, I, Mm. I think it's a great point.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and like you said, setting the precedent before we had in the original series, uh, Aang couldn't connect with Roku until yeah. he specifically went to that temple in the Fire Nation when the solstice hit. Yeah, like, and, exactly. and that that was like, you know, the extenuating circumstances for him to unlock that power to connect just to Roku alone. Um, so yeah. I, I, I love this. I think this
0: tracks um and i I, agree there's mm. definitely concentrations of spirit in different areas of the of uh, the world yeah absolutely
1: all right so uh and then the uh last uh response that we got uh was from slayer uh slayer says i like the idea of wanting of one wanting to have something more considering he lives in what is essential poverty and the only thing that is power that he could obtain was the element of fire I mean, we've never seen an avatar crave power due to the fact that the avatar is already all-powerful. I really like that aspect. Uh, also, I have to wonder about what advice one gave to the second person to be the avatar, considering they'd only have one person to consult for guidance. Um, so the, the first point, yes. I, I think it's super interesting to see, and I think that is huge, of seeing an avatar crave power. Uh, It just, you know, and what's interesting is that it comes from a point of selflessness because one wants to help others and make things more equal, but he's still craving power for power's sake because it's just like, if I have this, then I am no longer going to be without power. And that is not how we have seen the avatar really before kind of circling back to uh, Jordan Sharp's point earlier about one being kind of like not necessarily quote-unquote avatar material
0: yeah well it's one of those things I always think about especially when you have certain avatars like Kurok, um, that we kind of like those uh those little stories that they did um mm, I think yeah. before season three and they bring up that you know Kurok was you know it's one of those things where they're all they are still human avatars mm-hmm. and how you know essentially selfish he was mm-hmm and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, in however many thousands of lifetimes of Avatar, they can't all be perfectly selfless all the time. Yes. So, they have to be people. But I'm sure, like, the the universe is structured in such a way that it always picks someone that would ultimately use the power in the right way. But, you know, it's like anything else. Everything's on a curve, you know. Mm. Doesn't necessarily have to be 100% of the time they're going to use their power for good. Yeah. Um, Oh, absolutely. And there's been,
1: like, a lot of, like, always, like, I-, I know that there were a lot of fan fictions before about the idea of kind of, like, a an Avatar gone rogue um, or, like, a dark Avatar, which, you know. An is, Avatar
0: with dementia. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that where this, uh, I don't even see dementia, but, like, someone who doesn't know that they're supposed to be good. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know. Or if they're raised in a way that, like, you know, it's the idea of, like, the, uh, you know. Korra was raised by the White Lotus, essentially, to know that she's the Avatar and know that she has to save the world. What happens when the world is much more separate? And suddenly someone realizes that they can kind of shape the Avatar into this kind of like weapon, which is a little bit of what we see in uh, Rise of Kyoshi, because uh, the kind of one of the main characters in that, Jianzu, uh, recognizes that the next avatar is someone that needs to be this kind of like diplomatic piece on the board, um, you know, partially for good, but also partially for like, you know, selfish reasons too, of just like Jianzu kind of recognizing like wealth through my diplomatic expertise, I can have the avatar be able to help make these decisions to help shape the world in a way that I think is appropriate. And suddenly, you know, it's like when you have that influence, it becomes a
0: lot more complicated. If Esco Desno was the avatar, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Oh my but god. It's, but it's a, it's an uh, it's a question to go over is like how much does the universe play a role, and mm. then you get into way deeper things. You know, <laughs> where does the universe know it's always picking someone like that? absolutely well and
1: it's it's also the this uh, conversation between destiny and fate um when i uh, was able to uh, join uh, marilyn on her podcast our sister podcast beyond bending uh, i got to discuss with her the episode the fortune teller and part of the discussion that we had uh when i was there was talking about this idea between destiny and fate and i oh, think yeah, that, that goes great like conversation end uh, so the, and then of course this last point here, uh, that Slayer brought up about the second avatar. I mean, Kevin and I were talking about this before we even started recording, how interesting just a series alone would be about the second avatar. Uh, and as we'll kind of see at the end of beginnings part two, the, the state of the world and what happens, you know, I, I think it's just going to be really interesting to It'd just be super interesting to see how that avatar would deal with the state of the world. And we were talking that as Juan beca- becomes the avatar in this like short period of time that we see in beginnings, he is consciously deciding to be the avatar. He is willing to make the sacrifice. He is doing this knowing like kind of that there's, he's going to change and that he's going to become something more than what he was before. Uh, all right. So guys, uh, as we finish up this section here, uh, Susan was able to join us in for the rest of the episode. Hi, Susan. Hello. <laughs> uh, so guys, uh, again, big shout out of course to Slayer, Damage Jim and to, uh, Jordan Sharp 516 for the response. Thank you guys so much for, uh, adding, uh, just some excellent theories and feedback uh, to these episodes. It was wonderful to get to uh, hear your opinions uh, on this as well. Um, so without any further ado, uh, we are going to go ahead and get into the discussion. So diving into Beginnings Part 2. We open up with the Fire Nason sage, which actually when I was reading through this transcript, uh, she's actually billed as a shaman. Ooh. uh and which is super interesting too because I, I i think that like this idea that she is a shaman and not just a fire sage i think is a is a very interesting difference um and she says that Korra must remain in the waters until she confronts her past that she just hopes that she survives the ordeal um so and,
2: so uh so uh uplifting there
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, She'll be fine as long as she survives. It's not like we're, you know, surrounded by civil war and everything bad is happening. You know, it's she'll just it's fine.
2: (laughs) So I did look up shaman because I was curious when I read that too, Colin. And shaman is defined as a person regarded as having access to and influence in the world of good and evil spirits. So it's a possibility that she might be able as a shaman because she understands the spirit world and she may have like she may have obtained attained that higher influence and in being able to access it.
1: You know that tracks with the conversations that she ends up having with Cora uh, towards the end of the episode. So I, I think that that's yeah, a...
2: and how she like knows that there are evil spirits and that she's been t- and how she was able to basically ru- run her arm. Like remember how we talked about in the first part, we said she runs her hands kind of around, almost in like a bending kind of move and she's able to tell immediately she's been tainted with dark spirits yeah. mm-hmm. like now this makes more sense in her billing being a human, instead of just to say for
1: sure so as as we transition to cora's kind of purple ethereal image we hear rava's voice the human and spirit realms are headed toward annihilation and it's all your fault um just from the get go, I wanted to note this because this is an instance where visual storytelling with subtle notes is just it pays off so incredibly well. We hear Rava say this as we are the like the camera is on this kind of like ethereal Cora, and as the line continues, the camera pans and we suddenly see back into kind of this vignette of Juan and Rava together. And it's just super interesting because these words are essentially how Cora feels about herself and how all this went down. We hear her explicitly say this, I think like in the next episode that like she is blaming herself for all of this happening. And to hear these words from Rava one as she is revisiting this past I I can't even like imagine how not only triggering that is for her but like it is just this reinforcement of like oh my god like this is I'm making the same mistake again granted Cora girl you didn't like split the two spirits in half like to actually do this like actively so like maybe give yourself a little (laughs) bit of a break but (laughs) Um, I, I don't know I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this like especially kind of like opening back into this moment and uh, it, it especially having like this conscious decision to
0: have Rava like have this line while we're seeing kind of this image of Korra. I kind of I've been trying to figure it out and I'm like I was trying to figure out if it's a almost like a memory that she's having again. You know, because obviously this is a life that she's lived. So this is, you know, both a memory and it's her same thought where it's like, if you ever have that, like, not just like deja vu, but like kind of that kind of hits you, except this is literally a life that she lived before. Yeah. And it, as you said, it, it like it, it hits home so much harder because it's exactly what she's going through right now. Um, I love this. It was a cool scene for only a few seconds. It's just an interesting way of um, transitioning how this went. I kind of viewed it as a memory coming back and coming back clearly. Mm, mm, mm -hmm, mm.
1: Susan?
2: I mean, I kind of agree with everything Kevin said, and then it also parallels what she kind of feels right now in just the earthly realm where, you know, you have the the water tribes going at war with each other, and she feels nearly helpless to help anyone because literally she's been banned from every possible avenue that she would know to normally take. And she knows that there are dark spirits that are in the wings. And you know, she feels like there's an unbalance. She can feel it probably that there's an unbalance somewhere. And it's just, it's almost as if, you know, she's already feeling that guilt. Now this guilt is like always felt in every lifetime.
1: The next thing that we get to see is that we, Juan tries to appeal to Robert to help um, clearly feeling guilty about all of this, but she immediately refuses it. And, leaves him tells him not to interfere in this ever again um and then Juan and his uh animal companion Mula uh depart um as they travel they come across uh some trees that begin to rustle and fruits shake within and this is when they discover airbenders uh, we see these uh, airbenders kind of like flying up to the trees, grabbing fruits down. And as Juan comes in, he's like, oh, they're humans. And it's like, hey. And they're like, "Uh, bye. And they all just run. <laughs> they all panic and run away from him, flying away. Um, and Juan nearly like flies into like a bottomless abyss uh, as he just kind of like jumps, hangs onto a tree Um, as one of the airbender like straight up dragon ball nimbus clouds away like it looks legitimately just like the nimbus cloud from dragon ball as he's just kind of like soaring up into the air and then a lion turtle rises floating in the air vines hanging down from it Um, and Juan is just like the legends are true he is now seeing it for his eyes that these are the other settlements of humans, um, and Wan and Mula quickly work together to devise a catapult uh, to get Wan over to the lion turtle. Um, I, I love this because, like, immediately, like, Mula is just like grabbing the vine and wrapping it around, and it's like the the seamless like just work that they like just like they are just so in tune with each other that they are just like creating this like just in an instant and a lot of team building in those two
0: years (laughs) this
2: was this was basically a twofold thing though like think about it this way ready he gets over there survives meets a bunch of new people mula possibly gets some of that yummy yummy fruit that they just took with them or or other side of this he literally misses the lion turtle, falls to his death, and Mula is free to roam wherever they where he pleases. There, there was that, out, like Mula had that two motives here.
1: <laughs> I think Mula would be sad. Mula would probably go down and try to find Juan.
0: <laughs> but Mula Mula had a lot uh After a lot more positive options me. than this. Uh Juan would die. <laughs> like...
2: But I agree. Watt had less options than Mullah. Mullah had at least a few different options regardless. Like Mullah's net gain was always positive. <laughs> yes. So, like, there was really no bad outcome here for Mullah.
1: <laughs> Except the world has already been plunged into darkness and then, you know, it's just you know, It'd guaranteed. Bad later.
2: <laughs> Look, Mullah's gonna party like it's eighteen ninety nine
1: or <laughs> Uh, so one, uh, barely gets onto this lion turtle. He nearly misses and like almost like straight out of, uh, um, Luke Skywalker in empire strikes back, hanging at the bottom of cloud city, like uh, holds holds to the vines, uh, <laughs> to like get to the bottom of this lion turtle, but then eventually makes it to the top where we start to see a settlement of these airbenders uh one meets them because there are all uh, it, it's much more humble uh accommodations it's kind of more of like these like straw or kind of like uh more viney or earthen kind of like dwellings much more simple um there are spirits flying around as well um so it's like you can already see that the airbenders have like this innate connection with the spirits um and it's uh, it's very interesting because as Juan meets them, they're excited to hear his story and he wants to kind of talk about his experience here. So before we kind of get into the next uh, scene and what happens, I kind of want to break down a few things from what we see here. Uh, the first and foremost is the lion turtle and its differences uh, from the one that Juan was from. Uh, secondly is the airbenders as we see them. and uh, And then... We'll, we'll get into this third point once we kind of discuss this, but a lot of it is this is where I started to have especially even more yearnings for things to slow down because suddenly I understand the short-form storytelling and I think it's excellent in, this, in these two episodes and I think they do so efficiently, but there is a side of me that loves origin stories that loves the beginnings of worlds that I I am someone who read the Silmarillion back to front or front to back and like I want to know all of these different things and that that's kind of uh, that's more of my personal hang-up but uh before we kind of dive into that I want to get your guys thoughts about uh the differences between these lion turtles and the airbenders as we initially meet
0: them I'm very fascinated by the airbender with the spirits thing, because I wonder if this is, you know, how you can kind of see the start of each nation and their people and their mannerisms, Mm. whereas the airbenders are very spiritual already, Mm. which would make sense that over millennia further from here that they just they kept that type of a vibe essentially to their people. So I thought it was interesting kind of already seeing the the seeds of what would essentially be the air nomad nation being very in tune with nature and in tune with the spirits.
2: I, I I think it, I think I kind of agree with Kevin in this one. And then I also would add, um, you know, with it's evident very quickly that the airbenders have always had a natural um, affinity with the spirits and the spirit world. And you can see that quite plainly that they're very peaceful kind. I thought it was interesting that the spirit, the airbenders did not have arrows
1: yeah, like the the oh, air, the yeah. like the design itself is completely it's, different. It's like
2: a T. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it comes down. And it's just like a bar, mm-hmm. and tops, but there's no arrows. I I so like that makes me want to know so much more about Airbender lore. If there's like if that's like a tribal thing, like different tribes have different air, different air, like you know mm. different tattoos, or if this is like like was this like eventually they become arrows because it's something the Airbenders you know learn about spiritual energy. Like now, I really want to know what happened there. Cause that was something I noted. And the, I didn't see in your notes, Colin, but that was something I thought about when I was watching the episode. I was like, Whoa, how come they don't have arrows?
0: That's really a good point. Cause I'm like, it would almost be understandable if they had arrows or didn't have anything at all. Yeah. Now I'm more intrigued in that they had them, that they had some sort of a tattoo, but then modified it over time. And it was a more simple modification than having the tattoo.
1: Yeah, definitely. And And, and again, I, what i started to see in this and i think where i initially start where you meet the airbenders there is no vocal response from them when uh one sees them it's like hey fellow humans and it's just like trying to like you know get to talk to them they don't speak to him so when i initially saw this episode i thought like oh are like they or did they have a completely different language that they're speaking or maybe they don't have like the same language at all? Like, and this is where I think a longer form of this would have benefited. And I think in th- th- as, as we progress in this part two, this is where I think that like, I, I, I just think it would be so fascinating to expand so much more of this and, and not just, I mean, like I'm always going to want more Avatar content, but I think that it would have been a really fascinating look into the beginnings of all of these different cultures and not just the Avatar, because I think that that's why the the story is so condensed, because this is the story of one. This is not the story of the Air Nomads, of the Fire Nation, of the Earth Kingdom, like all of these like beginning nations and everything. It is the story of one like learning to help, you know, restore balance to the world. And, uh,
0: but uh, again, it's just like creaking over that creaking open that Pandora's box. Yeah, I know is the Uh. the problem. It's like before we (laughs) could completely speculate on the origins of avatar and this one, they were like, all right, we're going to go into the origins, but then just as you get your fix, just as you're starting to get it, you're right. It's like, which is that really all this has done is it answered. It answered like five questions on average, for each scene and opened up 50 more questions. Yes,
1: absolutely. And, and, you know, again, it's this idea that I think, uh, for instance, you know, if it's a sense of like, if they didn't speak the same language, then like suddenly you have a whole episode there of just one trying to figure out how do I communicate with these people? And then what better way to learn to communicate with them than by this shared connection that they have with the spirits, Because clearly the airbenders have a connection to the spirits. So too does Juan. And maybe it's through that mutual connection that they find a way to be able to communicate together. You know, maybe they know some of the spirits that Juan did as well. And maybe that kind of, like, leads a sense. Maybe they're distrustful of him at first. And, you know, it's this idea of, like, okay, you just came to our island. You know, we we don't know who you are. And suddenly there's this sense of, like, okay, how do we know that this person isn't going to do something. How are, how are we reacting to the fact that there is like, there are other humans out there again.
2: Apparently the airbenders were straight up just like and Juan. They're like, we don't know who you are. Stranger danger.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, but before, you know, Juan could even sit and discuss with them uh, the spirits around all of them begin to transform. As Vatu arrives, they take on these very dark, menacing, like, you know, appearances. And lo and behold, these are very similar to the dark spirits that we see that Korra had to deal with in the South Pole. Um, We see that there are all these similarities suddenly to the dark spirits that she uh, basically witnessed around all of this. And and suddenly we're, we're starting to see we're starting to get the connections uh, of what exactly this all means because then Vatu arrives and as he does, these spirits begin to transform. They take on this kind of darker energy to them. His presence itself corrupts them. And Juan tries to fend them off until Rava intervenes. Um, And the, the, it's it's interesting because I, I love this idea of Vatu corrupting the spirits because that in and of itself is such that feels very mythic and very old world to me. Because that that is Tolkien-esque right there to its core that the idea of like, you know, and I think uh, I think it was you, Kevin, who said last time that like the greatest evil any other evil can do is to get others to commit evil acts as well. And it's this idea of, like, that corruption fueling into these spirits, and suddenly it's, like, becoming so much worse just by his presence alone.
0: How deliciously evil. (laughs) (laughs) Very different universe, but still a Nickelodeon. (laughs) Uh, So the
1: airbenders then learn about Juan's mistake uh, as, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the airbenders are like, how did you get separated from Fatu? And Rava has this moment where she's just like, why don't you ask him?
2: <laughs> Let's just say that's when, that's like when, the one, when your oldest child does something and then like the younger child cries about it and, the, and then you're like, what happened? And the un- oldest child's like, I don't know, and the younger child just points to the older child and is like, "That
0: one." <laughs> Credit to Rava after ten thousand years of only interacting with Fatu, still having a nice sarcastic sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
2: just say Rava invented throwing shade.
0: For real,
1: yes. The original the Shade irony. Queen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there she you made go, That's the hashtag, Rava Shade.
1: Yes. You know, Rava may shed light, but where there is light cast, there is shade that follows.
2: Paul, <laughs> oh, you just took that to a totally new level. I was really just saying that she was just throwing <laughs> shade on a lava. You're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, totally, because that's what she does when she rolls around in light.
1: Ah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, and. Uh, As Juan is just like, okay, look, I get it. I messed up. I really want to make this right. And he insists that he wants to do this and he has an idea to do so. Cuts to a wide shot of him standing before this floating lion turtle. And he requests to receive the element of air. And the lion turtle explains that a human has never done this before. Um, And Juan is just like, well, I'm not like other humans. And he is already beginning to kind of say, it. which like, you know, to be fair, like I, I get like what you're saying here, one, that like you're not like other humans because you've befriended spirits, but you've also just come across a community of airbenders who have also befriended spirits. So, you know, I, I don't know if you're 100% that special at this point. You know, th- it's a little bit of uh, the firebender in him, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, at this point, he's the only person that we've seen interact with another lion turtle. Yeah, yes, and get to keep the fire from the other guy. But mm-hmm. yeah, in terms of specialness, it's it's a little <laughs> undercut by the the whole spirits on the island thing.
1: Um, but you know, the the lion turtle explains that in order for this to happen, Rava must hold the power for him, and we see in this moment that Rava has a reverence for the lion turtle. She calls it ancient one. As she says, ancient one, why should I help a human, especially one that has caused so much chaos and destruction? And one expresses to her that neither of them can defeat Vatu alone, but maybe together they can. And When she agrees, Juan says, I will help you restore balance to the world. And again, there is this sense uh, when you are dealing with something that is very old world, this mythic sense. And again, I'm going to be bringing up Tolkien here because I think he's such a great example of kind of laying uh, such a beautiful framework for uh kind of like beginnings of worlds um and kind of a lot of that world building and i think that it is there are there is power in words in spoken declarations and i think that by juan saying this that there is a sense of actualization from him declaring that this is what he is going to do this is this is part of what sets him on this path as the Avatar. We see again and again throughout these two episodes, there are certain choices that he makes between his selflessness, uh, his desire to help others uh, in the face of oppression, uh, his desire to you know, bring equality when there are others who are wielding power over others. And now with this, vowing to restore balance to the world after you know, his own actions, throwing it into chaos. It's this sense that he understands his mistakes and he wants to write them and he wants to do this. And I want to talk about these moments here. Uh, First and foremost um, is this true beginning of the avatar as someone who will control more than one element and how, again, this uh, mission statement how it's baked into Juan's declaration and the power of that in an ancient world. Um, and then also the airbenders knowing of Rava and having a connection with the spirits, but their way of life is almost immediately affected by Juan's presence. Uh, so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that before we kind of go any farther.
0: It's, it's interesting that they were affected so quickly by Juan's presence, but I guess Vatu did the same thing. So I guess Juan must also have some sort of a presence to him in some regard Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting that the airbenders had so much of a connection. Like the, as far as you know, the people on the fire lion turtle and like the spirits were just these enemies Mm. to them. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's such a different relationship. Yeah. Um, so it makes me wonder how much more the airbenders were in tune with the spirits. Um, than just having them around and being interacting with them. Like, did they have these bigger connections? Again, I just want to know so much more. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Well, I mean, they knew why, who Rava why were they was. more connected. That's the thing. Yeah. Like they
1: knew because when they addressed her, they they like they knew who she was already. Yeah,
0: like like a buddy, like a yeah. like a familial. What's going on? Why did this happen? Whereas the other people, the took probably had no freaking idea any of this was happening for millennia. I just want more. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, I kind of want more just because of the. the it's just it's so it's so like. They just literally know who she is they're like oh well brava like imagine you go from this one town where literally they're in fear of the spirits they're fearful of everything outside their little home and these fear- and these airbenders are just like the spirits are so wonderful aren't they wonderful to be around mm. <gasps> so calming yeah. like it's just it's amazing how separate it is and, it, and i i kind of wonder if this sort of and later we're going to see something else in this and probably in part two, part two. Um, but like, it really shapes how we, how they kind of morph into those separate nations later down the road, in mm-hmm. a way, like the attributes of them. Like, you think about the Fire Nation was very, you know, relevant upon themselves, very self-centered, very, you know, about the Fire Nation. They weren't about spirits. They didn't, And that's what we gathered. You know, they really didn't have that element. And that's possibly just because they lose the Avatar and they lose their way a little bit. I mean, even the Fire sages kind of lose their way a bit. But, and then the Air Nomads had always been kind of very at one with nature, their surroundings, even if they didn't have that spiritual energy the same way, which they do, we know, but they still had the way they were in the hierarchy. They were very much more free-flowing nomadic and very positive with their energy connection to the world period like they talk about chakras they talk about uh you know the elemental plane you know the attachments the freeing of attachments to achieve spiritual enlightenment like that is kind of a theory that eventually that's a kind of just their their being that eventually morphs into what they become as the air nomads versus the fire nation and it's interesting that this is where it starts with juan being a firebender fire fire nation kind of thing and the air nomads given where a hundred years war ends (laughs) with the firebenders wiping out the air nomads i mean i'm just throwing it out there it's just it's it is incredibly paralleling and it's almost you know the history repeating itself over and over and over again aspect which is wow
1: it, it, it re- That really is incredible. And I, I think that's a wonderful insight too. And I, I think to expand on that point, you know, again, what has always made uh, the Fire Nation stand out is that they seem to always be more technologically advanced than every other nation. If you think about it, like the comparison, we saw the society of the Air Nomads. It's very humble. It's very simple. Their structures are, you know, like we see one of these spirits just like rip a hole in the top of like their one of these like dwellings just with a claw. Whereas the Fire Nation in this, like the, the lion turtle where Juan was from, I mean, this was a full fledged city. This had. Like, complete. Like, this had streets. This had like stonework. It had complex roofing. There was all kinds of stuff. There was like, they were all wearing like the chews had these beautiful garb. Like, I mean, they, they had like obviously enough of this kind of inequity that there was some kind of like, you know, obviously. Wealth coming in, that there was this like disparity between the, you know, these different classes. So, I mean, they would already kind of advance to that point in society already, whereas the Air Nomads were kind of more at this simple stage. Granted, they are connected more to the spirits and... It, it, it really is interesting that you bring that up, Susan, that like it really is this parallel because as one arrives, suddenly he brings with him destruction. And it's this idea of when fire, I think it's the legacy of fire towards the world itself. And I think it's just this trajectory that is sent once one leaves the lion turtle and as we'll see later on in the episode how true that is with the others who also leave the lion turtle as well so to okay. continue oh sorry, sorry go ahead
2: one last part to kind of feed off of that i mean yeah like you're saying in the fire nation, and just think about like the symbolism that occurred in that in that scene right you mm. go from the fire nation in part one or the fire turtle where it's very shadowy it's very dark there are moving gates you know And then you go to this version where it's the line Troll. It's very light. And like, even the animation was lighter. Like Mm -hmm. it was much brighter. Yeah. And it's almost as if like, like that's a whole other. And the societies are two totally separate societies. One's feudalism. The other one is clear or, you know, yeah. Feudalistic capitalist. The other one is more um, utopia in a way.
1: Yeah. There I mean they, they don't have like there's no like even specific like leader that he talks yeah, just kind to of, like I mean, chilling like,
2: on the line turtle like what up? yeah he
1: just, he just talks to the first airbender that he comes across who's like meditating with others and it's they're they're not like on a throne, they're not like in a given particular place of Everybody significance. Everybody seems to have a
2: place to like sleep. Nobody's like desperately in rags, nobody yeah. is in squalor. Yeah. and everybody has food. everybody seems very peaceful at ease. like it's it's the complete 180 of what he was introduced to.
1: which again, this is where I wish we had more time because I would love to see one experience this type of different society. Like just the thought of him suddenly, you know, being raised in this one particular society, culture shock that comes from suddenly seeing like okay wait you guys don't have poverty like you guys don't have like it's the that difference in it of itself i think would have just been so fascinating for us to examine as an audience through Wan's eyes in the same way that as ang went through the world in the first series saw all these different civilizations in different ways of life and how much he grew as an individual just from seeing that alone.
2: Well, it's not even, it's not even if we had time to see him with the airbenders, I would like to have seen him in the other civilizations. I like to see what the other civilizations were at. And they're like, yes. like was it, was the water, tri- was the water turtle very similar to the current tribalism that is in- inhabited by the two water nations as is now. Is it, you know, you get to the earth turtle and the earth turtle is like a kingdom kind of it's like a very it's the same idea of like feudalism but it's not the same level of destitution that you know um that the fire nation was in so this sort of a kingdom idea but the kingdom is not one of the king above all else it's more of like a almost a constitutional monarchy if you will maybe there's like a senate and stuff like that like i'd like to see i would have loved to have seen that like you go to the other turtles and you see the civilizations in their roots before they become what they are to what we know them to be, like that's what I would have loved to have seen. Mm-hmm. If we mm-hmm. had more time, maybe they can get on a comic of that, oh, the Adventures yes. of Juan. Yes, mm. <clears throat> I can write yep. <laughs> break, get on it.
1: Yeah, I, I I think actually you bring up a really great point, especially about the the water lion turtle and I think actually kind of a missed opportunity if you think about it, because how much, and, and again, th- this is where we're going to start to get into this uh, beginnings being this transition point in this season and what we see happen for the rest of book two. And I think where the critique starts to happen because the Civil War, this whole kind of conflict that was leading up in the beginning of this season, for the most part, after these episodes, it is almost gone. It disappears. It that story is, uh, it is it is, it's it really kind of we 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 miss it, and it the priority gets shifted to this story of Vatu and harmonic convergence and the, the kind of like world that. It, it just takes this precedence and again I, I, that's that's where we're going to start to see i think is sort of the critique and you know in our uh and in, in our last uh and sorry we just wanted uh to just uh, quick unfortunately susan does have to hop off but susan thank you so much for joining us uh even just for this little bit uh for uh discussing yeah. with us today i mean
2: apologies that i can hang on long, but i have a uh i have a new avatar fan i'm introducing to korra now that we've made it all the way through avatar the last airbender and she's <laughs> patiently waiting downstairs but has an 8:30 bedtime so ah yes she's <laughs> a hard bedtime so i got to make sure i get her into bed at that time or else she's cranky tomorrow so i told her i would watch it i'd watch the next episode we just actually got past beginnings and uh, we just got to Mako being arrested. So she's like very onto. like, I need to see what happened to Mako. So.
1: <laughs> I mean, Kevin and I were talking earlier, like the the episodes that follow this, like you just, it's very hard to like not watch the next one because it is just like you're left. And there's so many cliffhangers and so many things you want to say.
2: Yeah. So I need to, <laughs> I need to go down and help my little avatar fan watch the next episode. So uh, thank you. And uh, thank, thank you. you all again for joining us. Yes.
1: Um. So, I. I again. Yeah. There. We'll. We'll, we'll kind of get into this. I did want to bring up. Uh. We. We had. Uh um daniel unfortunately was not able to make it uh to our recording today but he did get to send along some of his thoughts um and he did bring up a great point he goes look without juan present in this moment those air monks would have been dead not a weapon or guard to be seen on the whole lion turtle (laughs) and you know I, i and i think they also recognize that which is kind of like why they're just like okay what do we need to do here because that clearly got so bad so fast um, and uh, <laughs> Daniel also uh, just wrote in all caps, Rava tackle uh, as, uh, as Vatu uh, shows up uh, Rava intervenes uh, as we kind of said that before. Um, and a- as we transition into this next part, this is where the plot goes into absolute hyperdrive because suddenly in act two, we see one and Rava begin training uh to try out this new element um as uh but b- before we even get to that we get this conversation between Juan and Rava they're having a conversation Rava is kind of scooting along and explaining why uh, like what harmonic convergence is all about um and she's kind of saying like look this happens every 10,000 years. This is this clash that we have, and whoever comes out on top dictates the fate of the world for the next 10,000 years. No pressure. You kind of already set us up for failure, but no pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> just the big game on Sunday. Yeah. And you've just thrown it all to hell. <laughs> um, so then we see that Juan gets to try airbending. Um, and the only way, again, to do this, Rava explains, is to pass through his body to combine their energies. And we get this quote from Juan. He goes, great, so you've done this before. And Rava's like, uh, no, this has never been attempted. And it is very dangerous. <laughs> but then Juan responds, that's what they said about living in the spirit wilds. And I survived that. I'm ready. Give me the air. And it is so fascinating that, again, it's such a testament to his character. That even in the face of impossibility, he is always just like no, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm going, I'm not going to let the what ifs kind of get in the way. And uh, Daniel brought up a great point. Um, as uh, let's see here. Uh, he says uh, training with multiple elements for the first time in history. Um, and he asks like, but is it dangerous for her too? Is it her, is her retinence out of concern for one? And, and he says, now able to use the energy of air, but he's basically still using bending forms, though he comments about how different it feels. Uh, and it's it's very interesting because as Rava flies through him in a burst of light, Juan falls to his knees and then he rises and is able to bend. Um, he's kind of shooting out these gusts of air. And as he's doing this, Rava further explains harmonic convergence uh she says quote he cannot destroy referring to vatu he cannot destroy light any more than i can destroy darkness one cannot exist without the other even if i defeat vatu in this encounter darkness will grow inside me until he emerges again the same will hold true if vatu defeats me one's like well that doesn't sound too bad if even if vatu wins you'll come back but then rava's like okay yes but you will probably not survive to see it. Vatu will destroy the world as you know it, and darkness will cover the earth for 10,000 years. And Juan's like, okay, if that's the case, we should probably go visit more lion turtles. <laughs> so there, there is a
0: lot. time for a montage, and we got to catch them all.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, you know, it, things to unpack here is that Again, the process of Juan being able to bend two elements, the risk that is apparently inherent in this, Juan's determination in the face of the impossible and the unknown, the explanation of harmonic convergence and the idea of light and dark. And if this is what we're dealing with, we have to kind of remember again with our the plot of the season, why on earth is Unalak siding with Vatu on this? This is the end of the world as we know it. It's this idea of like, where do you think, it's, it's the idea, it is very much the, is so similar to Saruman siding with Sauron. And when Gandalf tells Saruman, Sauron doesn't share power. Like, this is, you are not going to... What do you think you're getting out of this? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's very much that kind of core principle. It's like, what are you getting out of this? So, as we're kind of starting to wind down this episode's discussion, I kind of want to get into some of these these points, talking about uh, this idea, the lore behind bending two elements, and this explanation of harmonic convergence and the idea of kind of this lightness and darkness, and get some of your thoughts on this, Kevin.
0: Thinking about the risk one more, like you were saying, it's like, it may not have been for Wan's safety. Could have been for Rava's safety to be interested. I also wonder if it's for the world's safety. Because for them, maybe there was a reason why the lion turtles spread to the different, you know, sides of the world with their own elements. So that way humans could only interact with that lion turtle. So no human could amass that much power. Mm. Because maybe they were afraid of something like that happening where a human has too much power and starts wielding it against other humans. Mm. Again, like they've lived 10,000 lifetimes. What's happened in all these other lifetimes where humans, such a troublesome problem that the lion turtles were like, all right, we're taking you. We're taking you, you we're, we're going to go to the corner. We're all going to stand there <laughs> <laughs> and we're not going to boop anybody else. Like I, I'm curious if that is part of it is that they were separated for reasons. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, again, like, just so much to unpack in such a small amount of time. While, and we're just here for the ride. I mean, this is all happening, like, in a minute-by-minute breakdown, if that. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my thought of that, is I wonder if it has to do with the risk to, to the world. Um, And obviously, it didn't get any better after Wan had all these elements. I mean, Wan broke up Rava and Vatu, caused chaos, and then because of that, they had to have an avatar. Yeah. And then all the nations start discovering other people are out there and other people could gain power and then that they want power over those people, which explains, you know, not to jump ahead to, you know, the end of Juan. Like, obviously after this, a lot of problems developed and everything seemed to be going okay, like before this, considering Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm wondering if that is what uh, she fears with uh or he you know, Rava fears with this. Um Juan, credit to him. He's always a go-getter, always, uh, you know, up for everything. He's like, but it's just so funny. I mean, I guess ultimately, like, he did split them up, so he has some power, um, so he must have some capabilities, but just for him to be like, Ravo, we'll just, it's fine. I've went through the spirit wilds. That's equivalent to bending multiple elements and saving the world. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> again, like, you know, it's, it's what they had to play with. They had to, just, you know, push things along, but. I'm sure even Rava like I'm sure there could have been like longer things of her, you know, weighing her pros and cons, and at some point she must have weighed them because she's like, okay, yeah, you'll do, yeah, um, let's <laughs> do this, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the Hermetic convergence, I I do have a lot more questions like why is it that this is the time that they have to fight? That they're like, all right, the all the other times we tussled, we were we were merged together tussling, but every so often. It's the, you know, the Smackdown event. Like, uh, I would be a little bit more curious. And it's too like, I feel like there was a lost potential for more natural processes being brought into why that time made more sense. Like, was it because, like, the axis of the Earth mer- yeah, like coincided with something else? Because, like, Avatar tries to lend itself to natural things occurring, like the Solstices, as an example. Yeah. Like, natural events seem to be tied to why the spirit world and the human world are more in tune to one another mm-hmm. like it wasn't didn't seem to be tied to anything other than oh we just fight once in a while really big well the the planets um, aligning
1: too because that's like the big part of it or planets yeah, aligning yeah,
0: yeah. yeah something like i felt like there was like just that maybe a missed opportunity where they could have aligned it to something else other than you know yeah, you know, it's Thanksgiving dinner and you're with your family and you know, tensions are going to run high. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Too, too, too real. <laughs> yeah. Too, real. too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, again, like I wish there could have been more to it. And I, I even like, the more I think of it, I'm like two episodes. I'm like, shit, they should have really had like, I if not a series, like half a season of this. Yeah. Like there was mm-hmm. so much more that they had to play with. Grant, I understand why they had what they had, but you know, just wishing for more. Um, mm-hmm. And just generally, Unalaq, come on, man! Mm, like mm-hmm. what? Like again, it's like it's it must for him be a false thought of he's gonna get something out of this, yeah. That he thinks he's gonna have all this power and that maybe he could, fe- you know, vanquish Vatu and be the bigger partner in all this. Yeah, I don't know. Well, because here is
1: here is the thing. I I think that where they are in this season, I think last season worked as a condensed. Season of 12 episodes like I I think that that is like that was that was a great like I think in terms of like the story they wanted to tell but what we see in season two and especially what we get here with beginnings this is meant to be in a season of Avatar the Last Airbender that length because we need 20 episodes to be able to tell the story of this civil war of harmonic convergence, all of this happening. I, I don't think that 12 episodes is enough and they just have to cram it into such a short amount of time. We are barely through act two right now and we are over an hour's worth of discussion. And I think that, again, it's just like because we're breaking down all of these different points, they are putting in so much. In again, it's this idea that like on one end, this is incredibly efficient storytelling. In terms of them like being able to pack so much in. But as we have spoken about throughout this entire book too. And honestly throughout a lot of just Cora in general. It's the pros and cons that come from a more fast-paced storytelling. In a modern world. And I think that that is the problem they run into. Because suddenly with this story of Juan. We're not in a modern world anymore. And when you're not in that modern world, it demands the pace of that era. And I think that that is what happens here is that we need we need more of this time.
0: Yeah, it's like Australia, a bunch of convicts and now a world power. Like if you read that on a single like line, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's all that happened. But <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. there's a little bit more that happened in between <laughs> that. I agree with you. It's that, yeah, I mean, it, again, like they just were like up oh, two years of him in the spirit wilds. That's it. Like that, they just, they mention it. Yeah. Like, even though I'm sure it was a, you know, a very big building experience for him.
1: Yeah. It, it, and I mean, I think that in the first part of beginnings, it works because I think that like we can kind of into it that like, okay, he was alone for a while. We got this beautiful montage of him being with the spirits and learning firebending. This is again, it's, a I I think was a missed opportunity he doesn't even get to learn airbending from the air bison, from the sky bisons like that. Yeah. I mean th- that, how incredible would that have been? We, we get, I think like a whole arc with the, with each nation would have been so fascinating. And I think would have also given, it would have raised the stakes for harmonic convergence even more because we do understand that the fate of the world is at, at like hand, but over the course of 23 minutes, we go from him realizing he messed up, learning all of these elements, confronting Batu over the course of 23 minutes, which is insane because that is like you were telling the story of Ang confronting the fire Lord because it's over the course of a year uh Rava said when he asked Rava like how long until harmonic convergence she's like it's a year (laughs) it's like that was a year of time that that took place over the course of avatar the last airbender and look how much we got 60 episodes yeah and I I think that that is it's very interesting and one of the last points I kind of want to bring up here is that uh Daniel had a great point about this idea of the uh, kind of harmonic convergence and the idea of light and dark. Um, And he says that the comparison between Vatu and Rava is fascinating. Nature's tendency towards chaos is made abundantly clear as without the struggle of balance, the darkness grows and the light wanes. And I, I think that it is, Very interesting. I I love this idea of the light and dark and how kind of Rava explains this. It's just like, you can't destroy light any more than I can destroy darkness and that one cannot exist without the other. I, I think that that is, that is such great, uh like mythic world building and sense of just like no matter what you do it is always going to happen like darkness will always rise or light will always come back but it's a matter of how do we set the tone for the next ten thousand years that i think is great and i think it sets for a really really wonderful uh kind of final showdown but again it's happening all so fast and it really is, I kept finding myself as I was watching this episode and the next few episodes of Korra being like, pump the brakes, guys, please. <laughs> like, let's Yeah, down. It really down. needs a
0: compendium like, <laughs> of just, like, these episodes alone just need a compendium of, like, here's what happened, you know, that we abbreviated. You know, it's very easy to, like, you know, have world history, like, distilled down to, like, a small, like, block of text. But within that is so many more things. Like, we just saw the highlights of him seeing the other lion turtles. Yeah. Not learning from them, not learning how to use it, not learning with Rava how to do things. Like, mm. we kind of just zoomed right there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we see him see a lion turtle in the desert, which obviously yeah. must be the one for the Earth. But it brings us back to Dammit Jim's point about, you know, wondering whether or not there were exactly four lion turtles. We saw a lion mm-hmm. turtle here in the... Is this, is this the desert one? Does that mean that this is like a sand bending specific one like is it is it like that's the type of earth bending is there one that's more like in a more mountainous terrain like is there a lion turtle there like it, again but we don't even all we see is the exterior of this lion turtle
0: we don't see what the people look like we don't see at all anything so thinking about it there must be more than f- four cuz i wonder which one did ang interact with
1: Mm. well there is a theory that the one that ang interacted with is actually the one that one got firebending from uh okay
0: now that's because that, like not to dive into a whole other thing <laughs> of that but but that's the thing is that isn't you know at a minimum it's not canon which one that is mm-hmm. if it's one of the four yeah so oh i i no, see exactly this i'm like <laughs> oh why did they have to open this door to this whole other world um, so as
1: we kind of close out Act 2 here, um, I, I kind of want to get into just this last part here as we see this montage of Juan and Rava traveling to the different lion turtles. As Rava explains the strife between humans and spirits and how it originated. We're getting even more of a lore dump on top of all of this. Like you can tell that they're like, all right, we have to show you visuals of him training, going across the world, and also explain, okay, here's how humans originated. Here's how spirits originated. Here's where everything's coming from. It is just like, it is so much. It's incredibly efficient. And it's very admirable that they were able to put all of this all together and still keep it cohesive and understandable. Um, so we hear Rava say, quote, the f- this physical world is where humans come from. Spirits come from another realm, which we know as the spirit realm. Uh, at the North and South Poles, the two realms intersect. Over time, more and more spirits have drifted into this world. Humans have been forced apart, settling on the lion turtles who protect them and losing touch with each other. And Juan says most people think that they only live in the only human city in the world. And Rava says most humans think only of themselves, no matter how many others are around.
0: Oh, this is too close to home right now. Mm,
1: mm, mm -hmm. We're all in our respective lion turtles right now from this pandemic. (laughs) But Juan grows in strength as he masters more elements. He feels himself changing. And the last thing we kind of see before we get into this is he smells smoke and Rava knows that humans are nearby. So the last bit that we're going to unpack here is, again, this is where I am wishing we have an expansion of content more than ever. We've kind of already touched on this, but, you know, again, we don't see these cultures of these other humans. We don't see badger moles, no twi and law. I mean th- this whole journey had the potential for its own series and again uh, because it's a year's time it mirror the year th- this amount of time that Aang takes to defeat the fire lord and then we have this revelation about the humans and spirits and Rava's feelings towards them that the humans they were on like they were they were on the earth and then the spirits caused all of this chaos to force them away And suddenly the humans have to live on lion turtles. Like, you know, here we thought maybe like, okay, when we first see it, like, maybe it's just like, okay, maybe human civilization, you know, started with the lion turtles. You know, that's maybe like how they, how they came to be. It's just like, no, they were, they were not there originally. They were there on their own kind of realm. And then the spirits came in and kind of took over. But I mean, honestly... What would we expect if humans could make their way into the spirit realm? It's this idea that even though humans and spirits are very different in terms of their appearance, that there is also a similarity between them. Because where humans go, they're going to want to expand. They're going to want to settle. They're going to want to stake their claim as their own. And clearly we're seeing that the spirits, they did the same exact thing. Maybe not in the same way, but... So much so that the humans were forced to live on lion turtles away from everybody. So I, I kind of want to get your last thoughts on these last sections here, Kevin, and get some of your insights.
0: It's really interesting to think of it, like you said, that the spirits came over and started taking over the area, and started taking over the realm, which then makes you wonder, like it, like, what then caused the conflict? I mean... Were the humans agitating? Were the spirits agitating? I mean, obviously the lion turtles weren't causing anything, so they brought them with them. So that makes you wonder, like, how all these pairings off happened. Like, was were, did the lion turtle see all this happening? They're like, oh, let's grab them and run and help them out and then give them a place of refuge. But then we saw what the, at least the people on the air turtle still had the spirits with them and they were living fine clear mm. before Vatu. So then there's just, like, I'm not even sure how to unpack it all, honestly. Yeah, I'm like, I keep viewing it. I'm like, I just, well, the easiest way to unpack it is, I need a five thousand page compendium on (laughs) everything that just happened here, along with a new series. But we we need, uh, we need a
1: Silmarillion equivalent for the Avatar. Yeah, just saying.
0: (laughs) I I just need, uh, I just need all these things. But uh, I think the end of this is, I just have, without the knowing that I can't fix the more content thing. Trying to unpack it myself, I find it just um interesting to think about. Like the fact that spirits I mean, we saw it with I, like, clearly they're like people. They have the same, very similar personality types. Whether or not they're, you know, um uh spirits that are animal based or more human-based, you know, in terms of their um appearance, they all like have the same cognitive ability, best we can tell. Mm, mm-hmm. So It's interesting seeing, you know, when you have humans that don't necessarily have any more powers other than bending, Mm. which spirits don't have, um, or at at least the lion turtles, whatever they may be, whether they're spirits or just ancient, as I said, the ancient ones. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just truly ancient beings on the earth. um, I I think that they're this
1: mix, too. I I think that that's where I feel because it's like because they are like a mix of a... uh, animal spirit and the land itself like they are truly a combination of all of that because they hold land on the back <laughs> of themselves yeah so it's just like that's yeah. It's, I, I don't know but it's it, but still again there's
0: <sighs> yeah and also now now want like uh knowing the whole thing that we thought this is a more distant thought but in the first airbender show we knew the avatar as the link between the four nations and the mediator of the four nations. It only really came out a little later, I guess with Hey, Bye, where it was like, Oh yeah, you have the spirit world too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, that's a, that's a big escalation. Cause all of a sudden, cause the avatar best we can tell has the ability to, you know, we've seen can go into the spirit world, can interact with spirits, can talk to them, but whether or not they are, but they're not part spirit. They're more like the human liaison to the spirit world. Yeah. I guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's interesting then to contemplate that Rava is kind of the spirit version of that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, again, like, I it answers five questions. It creates 500. More, <laughs> is what this is, what this two episode jaunt is. Yeah.
1: And, you know, to kind of expand on that point that you said there, you know, that the Avatar is meant to be the bridge uh, between our world and the spirit world, but also this liaison for all four nations. I think that's a lot of the reason why Aang and Zuko helped find the United Republic of Nations, because I think they realize, like, okay, we cannot have, like, these just four nations alone and not have, like a centralized way of kind of bringing everybody together, because I think this separation is what is going to cause a lot of this, you know, conflict or a lot of this kind of like difference of opinion in these separate attitudes and everything. It, it just, I, again, I think as you said, it answers five and, you know, just opens up
0: 500 more. Um, Oh, I, I think I think we could have a side podcast just these <laughs> episodes. Oh, like that's goodness. kind. Of, that's my ending thought of, of these three quarters of the, the beginnings is, um, I I wish I had more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially
1: going back, knowing where things go, and just it. it yeah. And it, it, again, as we'll kind of discuss in next week's episode, the end of this you know, again, all of this is happening and there is still a whole conflict happening back in the material world. <laughs> that, that, oh, yeah. <laughs> there is a civil war happening. There is all of this stuff. And it's just like, yeah. And, and I think that that is where, uh, you know, in our, I believe in the first, uh, in part one of part one, we discussed, uh, I think that it was Dammit Jim who brought up the uh, critique video from Hello Future Me. yes that was one of the main points that i think he really leans into is this idea that like this is cool but like by doing this you are completely altering the trajectory of this season with this and we're going to see that very very evidently in the next like half of this episode and going into the next few episodes So it's going to be interesting. What we're going to do, uh, that's going to conclude uh, today's episode, uh, part one of part two. (laughs) Um, And this is going to conclude this episode. And again, we are going to discuss uh, this uh, second half next week. But I there's a lot more that we want to dive into because I think that that is what really has happened. And I think that what we're going to do is a combination of looking at some of the art styles and looking at it from a creative perspective. And again, looking at it from a like it's place in the season perspective, but I also want to put out a call to action. Are you interested in what, like how do you want us to kind of dive in? Is there a facet of beginnings that you feel like we haven't touched on that you want to be able to engage with? Well, Guys, check out the link in our show notes for our Discord because that is where you can join in on the conversation. Uh, I just want to do another big shout out uh, to uh, Damn It Jim Slayer and to Jordan Sharp Five One Six for their wonderful responses, adding another layer of insight and giving us even more to talk about. Um, thank you guys so much, uh, and thank you Kevin for all of your insight as well as we try to understand and uh, just. T- I don't know, figured this out.
0: <laughs> I know the burden that the creators have placed on us is, is <laughs> Oh
1: man. Um so guys, thank you so much again for supporting the show, listening in. Definitely one of our longer episodes uh, to date, but I think that uh you can clearly understand why. <laughs> as uh, as we kind of see this. Uh guys, we're going to be back next week for part 2 of part 2. Um and again, appreciate the support. Big shout out to the folks in our Discord for all of their uh, discussion and insight. And uh, to Susan as well for stopping by. Glad she was able to uh, be a part of the conversation as well. Um, and to Daniel for some of his thoughts he was able to share uh, to be part of this conversation as well. Um, guys, I uh, I hope if you are here in the States, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying healthy. And, uh, you know, again, we, we hope that hearing this discussion uh, is giving you a little bit of a reprieve uh, from all of the madness of the world right now because um, I can tell you it it definitely has for me. Uh, being able to discuss about all of this has just been a wonderful escape but also just a wonderful sense of hope because God these stories are amazing and it is just so much fun to dive into. Uh, so folks remember you can find us on social media at portalcast pod on Twitter. Uh, Legend of Portalcast at Facebook and Instagram. You can find our website at legendofportalcast.com. dot uh, You can of course find our Discord in our show notes to join in with us there. Uh, and instead, if you want to send us an email, we are at legendofportalcast at gmail.com um, And guys, if you're listening in on iTunes, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. It would help a lot. It would go a long way to be able to get uh, more folks to check us out and uh, see what we're all about um and guys we will see you next week it's gonna be crazy we're gonna be seeing even more as we unpacked the second half of beginnings but i cannot wait for it um and until we see you guys then have a wonderful week have a great holiday if you're here in the u.s but until then